St. Luke knows how to set a scene, doesn't he? When Jesus had been baptized, heaven opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. He places you right in the middle of the River Jordan with Jesus. You can feel the water rushing about you and the fish nibbling at your legs. You can taste the salty river water in the air. You can almost, if you squint hard enough, see the Holy Spirit descending. In the words of this English translation, like a dove. Christians love that dove. Doves on Bibles, doves on vestments, doves on baptismal gowns. Christians love doves. But in the original language, the word here can be translated pigeon. (laughs) Yes, pigeon. And the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a pigeon. (laughs) This minor detail makes Jesus' baptism a little more relatable. Because when you walk onto 14th Avenue after this service, you're more likely to see a pigeon than a dove. St. Luke's account is not the sanitized, stained glass version that includes a serene riverbank, a white, gentle dove, and a tiny portion of water. No, St. Luke's account of this story includes a muddy river, a crowd of sinners, and a bird so common it makes us chuckle. And yet, amidst the humor and humility of this vignette from Jesus' life, something beautiful and remarkable happens. Mark Oakley, a priest and recent guest at the Dean's Forum, says the following about Jesus' baptism, quote, Jesus gets pushed under the surface. You can only hear your own heart beating. And all the noise from the shore, the opinions, the dogmas, the criticisms, and empty chatter all get drowned out. It's just him for a second or two, and then pulled out, he takes a deep breath of fresh air. We are told that he then hears a voice, not from the shore, but from heaven. This is the one voice that matters, and it tells him, you are mine, I love you, you make me happy, end quote. It is a compelling story for the reasons Mark gives. It is only when we suspend the cacophonies of the shore and are plunged beneath life's many surfaces that we can hear the one voice that matters. The one voice Jesus hears is the voice always humming, always speaking, always singing inside of us, God's. For Jesus, the voice of God is living and audible, but he had to abandon the noise of the shore to hear it. In just a moment, 
eight people will be buried in the waters of baptism. And for a moment, they, like Jesus, will only hear their hearts beating. Gush of water, but um. Gush of water, but um. Gush of water, but um. In this way, baptism is a lot like life's other midnight moments. Moments that bring us back to our pulse, back to our beating hearts. The split second after a wreck the bedside of a dying loved one, the stillness of a waiting room just before the doctor walks in to say whether it's cancer or if she made it or if you even have time to say goodbye. Or the fog when the anesthesia is wearing off and it's 3 a.m. and it's just you and God and your breath, your beating heart. But um. But um, baptism, like the rest of the sacraments, does something words alone cannot do. For instance, I can stand here every Sunday and say, God loves you, God loves you, you are forgiven, God loves you, God loves you. For some people, that's all they need to hear. It works for them. For others, and I assume this is probably the majority of us, the tangible, incarnate, concrete experience of water, the sound of it as it rushes into the font and over your head, the warmth of it on your skin, the sight of it at every entrance of this sacred space is the outward and visible sign needed to remember that you and I are in fact loved beyond measure and are held in the loving arms of God. To paraphrase a very wise bishop, baptism makes real. Baptism does not make true. This makes the sacrament of the altar, the celebration of Holy Communion, the body and blood of Christ as bread and wine, so powerful. Some theologians are fond of saying that Holy Communion is the repeatable dimension of Holy Baptism as we place our palms before us and hear those mysterious words, the body of Christ, and instinctively grip the manna from heaven, something extraordinary is happening. Without prompting, we place the sacramental bread on our tongues and swallow the incarnate God. It is in that moment of silent intimacy, that an organic amen, which is Hebrew for yes, emerges from our souls. Because that's all that can be said when we hear, you are mine, I love you, I delight in you. This unutterable physical experience evades the rhetorical cul-de-sacs of bumper sticker theology, religious sound bites, and lazy platitudes. And it draws us back to this community, to this place, when wildfires encroach on our suburbs, 
viruses betray our bodies, and uncertainty rattles our souls. So to every child and adult who will wade in the water with Jesus today, the pigeon is here, and it is waiting for you. Amen.